0: Welcome to another Tirious Cast. I'm Jim McGregor.
1: And I'm Kevin Crewell.
0: And today we're going to do a quick recap of the Consumer Electronics Show, better known as CES 2020. There were thousands of companies there, some hits and some misses.
1: We walked many, many miles to bring you this report.
0: And unfortunately, there weren't many breakthroughs really at CES. Matter of fact, one of the biggest things we expected to see was 5G, which started its transition in 2019. But there weren't many announcements there other than the first 5G PCs. For the most part, that news is being reserved for Mobile World Congress. So, Kevin, what would you rate as some of the biggest trends of CES 2020? Well, I
1: thought the PC made a significant comeback this year. We had some interesting concepts with the dual screen and folding screens from Dell and Lenovo, that are building upon the work Microsoft showed in October with its Surface Duo and with uh, upcoming support from Windows 10X this year. Intel showed the fact that you can do more localized AI on the PC to be more productive and using its DL Boost instruction set as well as the XE graphics accelerator that's going to be found in the upcoming Tiger Lake processor. So there was a lot of innovation shown on the PC side. Intel itself showed a 17 inch folding tablet PC that's a reference design, which it calls Horseshoe Bend. Do you actually see this into production in 2021 from one of the OEMs or ODMs? The uh, idea is that it folds into a small screen, but then when you want a full 17 inch screen, you unfold it and then use a, probably a Bluetooth keyboard to attach to the folding to screen, giving it a, a lot of flexibility. In Lenovo was very aggressive. They showed a number of, uh, at first, for folding PC as well. And it also showed support for 5G with both Intel and Qualcomm. In fact, Lenovo seemed to show up at every keynote, whether it was an, an Intel qu- keynote, an AMD keynote, or a Qualcomm keynote. Lenovo was everywhere. AMD was much more focused. Their press conference was focused on the new graphics card for mainstream gaming the new Threadripper processor with 64 cores and 128 threads that just tops out for content developers and anybody doing creative work, basically a workstation processor. And then there's the 7-nanometer Ryzen 4000 series of APUs, which brings AMD to the forefront of mobile technology. So I think there was a really excellent representation from all the vendors. Dell also showed two concept pcs, Ori and duo and also in, incorporated the folding screens and dual screens. The key with dual screens is that you use part of the keyboard or such I use the part of the, one of the displays as a keyboard when you need a keyboard or you can use an external a Bluetooth keyboard. so you have some flexibility there and you can fold it into a much smaller form factor. So there's some interesting concepts being tri- tried at PCs, and this could be a very interesting year for the PCs. Now, reality is that they're stealing some of this from the smartphone vendors, you know, especially Samsung, and who's the other vendor that has a folding phone, Jim?
0: That would be Motorola.
1: Motorola, yeah. So both have folding phones, and so we're seeing the PCs sort of incorporate the same kind of technology that you're seeing in phones this is true of also on the ai side we're seeing pcs trying to do localized ai in a heterogeneous manner much as we've seen the smartphone vendors do as well
0: you know i was impressed with amd in the fact that a they flat out came out and are going after performance leadership with that new uh, 64 core 120 thread 2828 thread thread ripper i can't even say that twice but <laughs> for the first time also they're not trying to undercut on price i mean that was what something like a three thousand dollar processor no
1: more like a four thousand dollar it's the threadripper oh, 30 3990 that's that retails for three thousand nine hundred ninety nine three hundred ninety dollars so it's uh sort of funny that they've they've price and model number are the same but uh, yeah it's a very high end but it competes basically with dual Xeons. so from a price point of view, you may think it's expensive. It's definitely too expensive for a normal consumer. But if you're thinking about using this as a replacement for dual Xeons, it's actually a very reasonable price.
0: Hell, I think you could run a supercomputer with that bloody thing.
1: <laughs>
0: Impressive. I'd like well, to have yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, no. know.
1: So, I, like I said, PCs look like they were alive and well. In fact, right after CES, IDC dropped their numbers for 2019 and Q4. And the PC market... Significantly jumped up from 2018. This is the first time we've seen an increase in many years of unit shipment volumes. Part of it is the fact that Microsoft has end of life Windows 7. You can't get updates for it after this year. So there was a lot of, you know, commercial upgrades going from Windows 7 up to Windows 10. But that said, this was the first uptick in unit shipments and PCs in forever. The other area that's been very uh, active for PCs and very healthy is the gaming PCs. We've seen a lot of activity there. And one of the uh, interesting things, there was a um, a 10-inch PC design to, that can be used as a, a mobile console that was shown by Dell. Really interesting kind of competitor to some of the Nintendo and Sony portable units. So, But using a PC as the the backbone. So that's an interesting development there as well.
0: And not too surprising. I mean, some of the stats have come out over the past year is the fact that eSports now ranks above every major sporting category, uh, the regular sporting category, even the NFL, even football and soccer or what they call in Europe football, now ranks above all those in terms of viewership. So, you know, the PC is back. And I think a lot of it's being driven by, you know, not only these upgrades, but definitely eSports.
1: Yeah, I agree. So, hey, Jim, what what did you see in automotive? Tell us about that.
0: You know, automotive was – CES has become such a huge automotive show. It's probably the only one where you can see just about every automotive technology. But we've continued to see a shift. This is the second year where – a lot of the vendors have continued to shift away from the focus on autonomy or the level SAE levels four and level five. And this year, they even shifted a little bit more. Instead of just going back to ADAS, a lot of them were focused more on the personalization of the vehicle or the interior features and the user interfaces of the vehicle, which, you know, isn't a bad thing because that's going to continue enhancing the electronics in the vehicle and the vehicle experience. So, one of the startups from China, Byton, with their electric vehicle, demonstrated, you know, some impressive controls and a wraparound display that, you know, for the full dash experience. And then Harman, Harmon went over the top. They had a full display over at the Hard Rock Hotel where it was kind of like entering Disneyland. You walk into this room and this presenter gives you this little presentation with a video and there's a BMW there. And then the screen rolls up and you go up into another room and there's all these displays with a Dodge, a Smart car, a Tesla, a Buick and each one has actors. <laughs> actors acting out different scenarios. One had a teenager stealing his mom's car. Another one had a businesswoman interacting with her SAP and her clients while she was driving. You know, so it was it was interesting to see. Matter of fact, they only mentioned ADAS once. It was interesting to see some of these major technology and tier one vendors really shift towards the consumer experience in the car and not just the autonomy of the car. However, with that said, the focus on the technology for autonomy isn't slowing down by any means. Matter of fact, there were a lot of demonstrations kind of in the back lot of autonomous vehicles going on with some of the tier ones and OEMs matter of fact, Qualcomm entered the fray this year with their new Snapdragon Drive platform, which is a full autonomous control platform, something we didn't necessarily uh, expect. They've kind of hinted towards it in the past, but they entered it in a big way. They didn't give too many details about the SoC and the AI Accelerator, but they did talk about the platform, their development, and their investment in it. They've been working on this Drive platform for five years, and while it uses mobile technology, it's not based on the mobile chipsets. And some of the technology going into it, they've been developing for 10 years. As a matter of fact, they already have vehicles on the road, autonomous vehicles in San Diego and in Philadelphia. And I had the opportunity to actually ride in one, one of the Qualcomm vehicles at CES prior to CES. All they really demonstrated was autonomy on a freeway environment. But when a very aggressive Camaro kind of s- swooped in front of us and almost spun out, <laughs> it was good to see that the car was in full control and didn't uh, and reacted very well. So it, it was still an impressive demo and good to see that Qualcomm's also focused on it. And they're trying to do it in a system that can be passively cooled. So that's going to be different. It's a lot lower in terms of overall performance capability and some of the other platforms out there. But... Once again, their focus is they want to be able to hopefully passively cool this thing. So there's still a lot going on in automotive.
1: You you expect Toyota, as an automotive company, to be talking about automotive products and its, its drive for, you know, assisted driving and all that stuff. But no. What actually happened, Jim?
0: Oh, man, <laughs> I have never seen a company leave several hundred press, media, and bloggers completely speechless. <laughs> the CEO, Toyota, comes out, says, you know, we have this old facility kind of in the foothills of Mount Fuji that we don't know what to do with. So I'm going to build a smart city, smart and sustainable city. And then he brings out the architect that's going to be developing this. And then they kind of summarize it up all in 15 minutes and say, Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> no automotive announcements no nothing we're going to build a smart sustainable city to test out technology and blah 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 it's kind of like a ceo uh, the ceo's personal
1: pet project
0: uh, pet project yeah for lack of a lack of a better term and you know it'll be interesting to see cuz i don't know that they can fully estimate the cost of what this is going to be and if the toyota board's really going to sign off on this but i got to admit with 175 acres and an interesting plan. We'll see if it comes to fruition.
1: Yeah, actually, they're supposed to break ground in just over a year from now in 2021. So they've got a lot of, uh, they raised the site, but they've got a lot of work to do. And in fact, you know, one of the things they're doing is building a digital twin. They're actually going to build a full digital version of this project, the the Weave City. And digital first so they can try it out before they actually build the physical city. So that's really interesting application of this digital twin technology we've seen automotive design and, but now applied to a city design.
0: Yeah. And, and I give them credit. I mean, they're trying to address some of the key issues that are going to be necessary for autonomous and smart cities, like separating pedestrian and vehicle traffic. And, you know, even having an infrastructure underneath the city for autonomous deliveries and, you know, supplies and all this moving underneath the city. So it's not going over the city streets or the city grid. So it'll be interesting. I, I definitely give kudos to Toyota. I mean, I've never seen anybody at a CES press conference keep the press completely just blindsided
1: yeah that was no and in fact uh it was a major part of their booth was dedicated to a a representation of the city they go into a theater and they sort of like ran through a the scenarios of being like you're inside of it as well as having a physical model of the city that you could see as well in their booth so uh, it was a fairly significant commitment
0: And we did see some other, you know, uh, interesting demos, you know, besides the Bell aerial transport drone, I don't know what you'd call it. Hyundai had one this year.
1: Yeah. Uh, The the Bell came – we saw the Bell last year, so it was the same one. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that new.
0: But Hyundai came out with one this year to compete with Bell, so it'll be interesting. So there's a a lot of interesting technology, but I think a lot of these are so far off that it's hard to take them too seriously, and I don't think they'll impact the – the 2020, or even in some cases, 2021 time frame.
1: No, no, there's a lot of concept cars there that were just true concepts. Uh, but, you know, the theme of the car becoming an extension of your life, uh, becoming a more of a living room than a, a transportation vehicle is uh, one of the themes I saw in a lot of these concept cars. So, you know, th- I think they're assuming we're going to get level four and they're prepping the interior and and the consumer for what happens when level four comes around and and you're now, you know, kind of bored inside the cabin. What are you going to do? You're not driving.
0: Well, one of the interesting things in talking with these vendors also is the fact that, you know, They're trying to add all these electronics in for user interface and the personalization experience, but you have to think about level four and level five today because all these are going to be electric vehicles. So you have to plan for the power consumption of all these electronics, both outside and inside the vehicle. So a lot of them, even though they're trying to really enhance the interior of the vehicle, they are still focused on minimizing the power consumption so that it doesn't impact the range of these vehicles. Yeah,
1: most all of all these vehicles are around electrification, though. And so they, they, uh, you don't see uh, this type of concept wrapped around traditional internal combustion cars. It's either a hybrid or a, or a full electric car.
0: No, absolutely. They, I think they're all going to be electric. I, I don't think you're even going to see many hybrids.
1: So those seem to be the two big trends we saw at CES. The rest of the show seemed to be more. Companies trying to build a better mousetrap, in a sense, there were some interesting, no, some not so interesting. Uh, you know, there, there were definitely a lot of sex-related products, sex health-related products. You know, mostly focused on women, but I think some on men and things like sperm health uh, home kit. There was a, a, an exclusion of the anybody the cannabis-related products, which is a very hot item these days. And and to steal a line from one of our AR friends who made inadvertently made the joke. It probably had the cannabis guys fuming that they couldn't be included.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it was even a mixed bag in the Eureka Park startup zone. There were some companies with uh, interesting ideas and some that weren't. I mean, I saw some companies that really have to work on what their plans are. There was company doing airbags for motorcycle jackets. My kind of concern was, okay, when they go off, don't they break your ribs? There were some new connected helmets, which have all failed miserably. And quite honestly, the ones that were there really sucked. They were little more than, you know, having uh, speakers and a microphone connected to your, your smartphone, which you can do today. Not to mention. The fact that uh, there was a one company doing a uh, digital binoculars that only had a 10x zoom, and they were going to charge fifteen hundred dollars for these. I'm like, um, can I do that with a with my smartphone and a spotting scope and get about four times the zoom for the same resolution? And they just kind of looked at me. <laughs> yeah, <So. laughs> I know.
1: A lot of the products in the Eureka Zone were like when you uh, you. you in fact, this is even true with some of the other sections. Like we were looking for a new bed and we went to the um, sleep number. And they were showing off this bed concept. No, no,
0: no, 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 no. Correction. You and your wife were looking for a new bed. Yeah. We weren't looking for a new bed. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, okay.
1: <laughs> Yes. To be clear, Jim and I were not. My wife and I were. So we thought this, this bed was kind of a cool concept. It has four zones. You can adjust them for heat and cool your top and your bottom and into the two separate sections of the bed. Well, it's not, it's not a product until 2021. So it's like, it's like, oh really, I couldn't order this yet. So there were a lot of these showcases of products that aren't available yet. I mean, I talked to one guy who has a, a device for keeping your pet active at home, uh, where it'll it'll drop a treat for it or it interacts with the pet, but he's still in the conceptual phase and wouldn't have anything till the second half of the year, so many guy these companies are on Kickstarter. You know, some of the stuff's even mundane, but it was sorta of interesting. Um there was a company, Luminook, which actually has a lighting system for your closet that eliminates that has LEDs that run on strips and you put it inside your closet and when you open your closet door, it lights up and it's really bright and if you have a deep or dark closet it really helps. But it's, you know, kind of a mundane uh product, but it's
0: don't it, don't, it, don't they have those today? <laughs> I'm sorry, but you can buy a light bulb with a uh, sensor in it to put in your closet today.
1: Yeah, but that only that only fits uh, like if light bulb's on top. This wraps around the inside of the door frame, so it lights up the whole closet from side to side and up and down. So it, it's better than having one of the light bulbs up on top, so you have better illumination. Okay. Uh, another so one wait actually – wait, 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 on, wait, wait a, a, a go, minute. Before you go any further,
0: what? while I was working, you were home shopping. Is that what you're trying to tell me? This is part of the smart
1: home. I'm I'm looking at the smart home. Ah, uh, what with the what about the Kohler? Well, you, it has a little module that plugs into your shower that allows you to do. You could talk to your uh, your Amazon uh, smart device through the smart shower and uh, have it play hey, music while you're in the, the shower.
0: T- don't forget the Kohler toilets. You know, a ten thousand dollars smart toilet. <laughs>
1: uh, absolutely, with the uh, with the, the uh, illumination and uh, a folding door on top. Yeah. Yeah, there was there were definitely some over the top experiences. But there was also an interesting guy, another, these, uh, pro, uh, I thought it was actually kind of an interesting concept, which is a sensor that if you're in the shower and you're close to the shower, you get full, full force. But if you step back away from the shower and you're not getting the full, it actually turns down the amount of water you're getting and automatically senses when you step away from the shower head so that you save water and they're going to install that in many hotels and uh, other construction new construction areas. So
0: oh hey, most hot- most hotels you can't even step away from the shower head. You're in a box. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Depends. Depends on the hotel you stay at.
0: Although I do like that. I I do like, and I have to admit that I was on the hunt for green solutions too. And probably the only one I really caught my eye was the Oxycool. These guys are trying, they're a startup out of, I think, Pennsylvania. They're trying to do a new type of air conditioner that is powered by natural gas and uses water molecules for refrigerant rather than the traditional Freon refrigerant. So I'm still kind of iffy on how well it works and stuff like that, and I haven't got the pricing on it yet, but that was interesting. And I have to admit, you weren't the only one shopping. I mean, I did see one really cool product from Max Pro. They had a fold-up exercise unit that you could put in a backpack. It only weighed nine pounds and you had dials on both sides with cables and you could simulate hundreds of different exercises, whether or not you're standing on it, you mount it on a wall or you put a bench on top of it and it connects to your smartphone so you can track everything and it simulates 150 pounds on both sides. So I mean, it pretty much meets most people's capabilities in terms of workouts. So I was, I was very impressed with that. So You weren't the only one shopping.
1: Yeah, I know. That's part of what you find when you go to CES. This is the Sands area where you get a lot of innovation and uh, uh, interesting products to to pour through. I mean, you literally can spend three days just going through the Sands and going from booth to booth. But And the Eureka Zone was just jam-packed. I mean, sometimes you couldn't get through a hallway because there were interesting booths on both sides. And it had, you know, the traffic just jammed up. So... From that point of view, I think CES is still a really interesting show to go to.
0: Yeah, no, it is. Matter of fact, in Eureka Zone, I saw one company that came out with a plug. So part of it mounts on your car, part of it mounts underneath your car. So if you have a plug in hybrid or a plug in electric, all you have to do is drive over this thing and it automatically plugs in for you. That was, it was called uh, uh, Go Plug, I think it was. Um, Yeah, but it it was interesting.
1: It's an interesting idea. I actually, one of the thing you did miss was from Holland was a gray water, uh, reconditioning system that could be used to automatically take your, uh, it would actually apply to your gray water situation and could recondition it for use as, uh, you know, watering your lawn and such. So and you're right. It's they a lot. Didn't a lot of, see that one. Yeah. But that, you know, a lot of times you do that in a large scale, but uh, be able to scale it down to a unit that's about the size of a refrigerator actually kind of amazing, too.
0: That is cool. Yeah. Okay. Well, with that, I think it brings us to a wrap of another Tyrius guest. Please remember that Tyrius Research is a market research and advisory firm that provides custom research and advice to the entire high-tech ecosystem from sensors to the cloud. This includes custom market sizing, product and company competitive analysis, M&A evaluations, product and corporate corporate strategic planning, and market strategies. We are your technical go-to guys.
1: And if you'd like more information about Tireus Research or inquiries about our services, please contact us directly. I'm Kevin at TireusResearch.com, or you can get to Jim at Jim at TireusResearch.com. And that's T-I-R-I-A-S, research, all one word. And you can visit our website, www.TireusResearch.com, and please keep up with us on social media. Our official site is at Tireus Research. I'm at Creewell, K-R-E-W-E-L-L. Jim is at Tech Strategist T E K S T R A T E G I S T, and then you can see us or read about us in our articles on Forbes, E Times, and ECT News. And then we also have some white papers posted on our website. So visit our website to hear to see our latest white papers.
0: Also, look for more information and podcasts from us on E Times, where we're working with them. Uh, matter of fact, there's a CES podcast up there with uh, both Kevin and I. And thank you for joining us. If you have any feedback on this Tiri's cast or recommendations for future Tiri's cast, please contact us directly. Once again, that's Kevin at Terriusresearch dot com or Jim at Tiri's dot com. Thank you and have a great year. Yep. Happy 2020.